This is Brandon M. Crooker, and you're listening to the Apostolic Theory Podcast. Today, we've got a very special guest with us. We have Chris Paolini with us. I'm so excited about this topic. Um, I, I think that while it is getting a lot of exposure um, as of late um, in the apostolic uh, Pentecostal movement, um, I, I don't think that you can really talk about it enough. I, I think that um, it's something that we need to be constantly addressing, something that we need to be constantly talking about. Um, but, but before we uh, go go ahead and into the topic, uh, Brother Paolini, would you just introduce yourself, tell the listeners briefly about you, your ministry, where you currently serve, and what God's doing? Excellent. Thank you, Brother Crooker. My name is Chris Paolini. I am the senior pastor of Mountain View Christian Center in Idaho Falls, Idaho. I also am privileged to serve on the Idaho District Board. And during COVID, when COVID was at its height, I began an online ministry called Coffee with Pastor, which started out as kind of a devotional encouragement for folks out there in the internets uh, who might be feeling cooped up and feeling alone, but has already started to morph into a training ground for apostolic preachers and teachers. As part of the Coffee with Pastor ministry, a little about a year ago now or so, we started a podcast called the APT Podcast, A-P-T, standing for Apostolic preachers and teachers. And so as far as the online ministry is concerned, I've started to morph away from trying to preach to the masses per se, and I'm focusing a little more on trying to encourage my fellow uh, preachers and teachers to, um, to do what they do in ministry excellently. And so that brings us right up to the current day. And uh, so it seems like um, that's that it, it's it. I can feel the passion that you have just by uh, what you've been saying about the the teaching and and wanting to um, help encourage the uh, the the leaders really um, of the the movement. Um, and so uh, it seems like maybe that's your that that's your heartbeat, and and so that's why you're so passionate about uh, this topic of, of discipleship and this topic of. Uh, raising up and, and training and discipling the next generation. So um, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to give you the floor and we'll just see what the Lord will do, sir. Sounds like a plan. Thank you, brother. It's true. I am passionate about discipleship in general, and I am especially passionate about equipping the next generation of apostolic leaders. And a lot of that has to do with a few pieces of my testimony. I know time uh, this evening is not going to uh, be sufficient to tell my whole story, but I want to just share how I came to the place where I am and how I became so passionate about this. So I am a former Trinitarian minister. I spent a lot of time prior to coming into Pentecost uh, as a worship leader and and kind of an aspiring pastor, an aspiring preacher, and through the ministry of the woman who is now my wife, 
and through her pastor and, and some others, I became thoroughly ingrained and indoctrinated in the Acts 2.38 message, the oneness of God, holiness without which no man shall see the Lord, etc., etc. Now, I received my calling to preach prior to coming into the apostolic movement. And the way that God spoke to me during that time was very poignant. And obviously, when I was 19 years old and I received my call to ministry, I didn't exactly understand right. all that that was going to entail. But I knew that I was called, and I began to orient myself, absent of the full truth of the gospel, but trying to orient myself towards ministry. And of course, there were a lot of stops and starts and bumps in the road, and God had to do quite a few things to, to get my attention and put me on the road that I needed to be on. But what ended up happening is, after being baptized in Jesus' name, because I had entered um, a United Pentecostal church, and I had already um, received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and of course, already repented of my sins. So that was kind of the, the missing piece for me. After that happened, I wanted desperately to get on back track with the calling that I felt that God had for me when I was 19 years old. And during that time, uh, the pastor that baptized me in Jesus' name, who was my wife's pastor for, for many years, uh, he retired, and a new pastor came in. And so I tried to get close to the new pastor, and I tried to say, well, I have a call to preach, and, and I want to pursue that calling, and, you know, what can we do? And that pastor said to me, you're not called to preach. And the implication being that because I didn't preach like him, I didn't sound like him, I didn't conduct myself like him, um, he basically told me at the time, you know, sit on the pew, be a good saint, thank God that you got the revelation of truth, uh, but, but you are not called. And it was a very difficult road that my wife and I had to travel to, to get to the place where we could uh, pursue our calling. And she's, she's a licensed minister also, my wife is. Um, but what I realized is that, and, and this is probably not true in a lot of places and spaces, but how I came into Pentecost and what my experience was in the early going, I came in and came up the rough side of the mountain and I was kind of told either implicitly or explicitly that my background and my personality disqualified me from preaching the gospel. And basically what it boiled down to is that because I did not get up in the pulpit and preach the same way that a lot of our preachers do with all of the, the screaming and the shouting and the histrionics. And, and I'm, I'm not, I don't say that to be derogatory because I love good apostolic preaching too, but because I did not fit into that mold, it was automatically assumed you have no place in the ministry. And so 
long story short, I was able to get into the ministry. I had a pastor under whose wing I took refuge, and he helped me to figure out that the way I was, the way that God had built me, was the type of person that he could use, and that ministry is not confined to a particular style. And even up to and including the present day, those are lessons for myself that I had to learn that because I just because I don't preach like Wayne Huntley or just because I don't preach like Jeff Arnold or just because I don't preach like the Haney's or the Urshans or whoever you want to fill in the blank with, that God still desired to use me. God still desired to work within the personality that he gave me. Right. And for that reason, it became important for me as I began to to ascend in the ministry, as God began to expand me, as God began to give me um, opportunities to exercise my ministry, I found a place with the help of the Lord where I actually fit. And so when I got to be into my 40s and I began to be, and I call it the sweet spot, Brother Kirker, because (laughs) I am old enough to be taken seriously and young enough to still be relevant. So I purposed within myself I said, I am going to take the sum total of my experiences. And yes, I'm going to conduct my ministry. I'm going to do the things that God puts in front of me to do. But I am going to show people that there is not just one way to do ministry, that God can work within your gifting, that God can can work within your personality. God can work um, within the way that he created you and use you in the ministry, use you for his glory. So, Brother Kirker, all those experiences that I had in the early going, coming into Pentecost, kind of gave me the, the groundwork and the impetus for starting this this apt podcast it the it's kind of the pinnacle at this stage in the game of the the mentoring ministry that god has given me that god is still kind of developing in me and it's a great joy in my life to be able along with my my podcast partner josh remington it's it's a great joy for me to talk about things other than preaching we do talk about preaching but talk about things other than preaching that are necessary for a man or a woman to pursue excellence in apostolic ministry. And, of course, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2, uh, Paul tells Timothy that a bishop must be apt to teach. doesn't say anything about preaching. The Bible does talk about preaching in other places and spaces. But in that verse, the very first thing, right next to being blameless and being faithful to your marriage and temperate and sober-minded, etc., he says, you have to be able to teach people. And the reason why I didn't learn apostolic doctrine sitting on the pew Sunday morning, I might have been saved 
by the foolishness of preaching. But I have been kept all of this, all of these years because there have been men in my life who have sat down with me across the table and have taken the time to teach me, not preach at me, not scream at me, but actually sit down and teach me. And I've learned over the years, Brother Kirker, in the churches I've served and carrying forward now into the church that I pastor, the folks that I minister to, they are not kept because of my preaching. My preaching will inspire them. My preaching, if, if it is Holy Spirit directed, it might speak to an issue in their lives that they are dealing with, and it might kind of urge them to kind of come up a little bit higher and, and let go of a few things. Okay, that's what preaching does. But preaching by itself does not disciple people. Sitting down and self-studying, which I'll talk about in a few minutes, but also having someone who is willing to invest the time in teaching. And I've known many great men of God and women of God who are fantastic pulpit preachers by every imaginable metric. They are fantastic pulpit preachers, but they can't teach anybody. And this is not because, this is not my judgment. I've had, I've had folks tell me, oh, I can preach the house of fire, but I can't teach. But the word says, if you're going to pastor people, you have to be able to teach. And as a movement, when we judge the ministry of a man or a woman, we, the first thing we look at is, well, how do they preach? Absolutely important, because we do need preaching. Preaching convicts the saved, and it, and it converts the lost. And I've seen that over and over and over again. But we are kept, Brother Kirker, by the soundness and the consistency of our teaching. And so I think if we are going to equip the next generation of apostolic ministers, we have to instill into the next generation the necessity of teaching. Now, I have heard elders in our movement who bemoan the fact, oh, we don't have we don't have Sunday night service anymore. Oh, we're not going to, we don't get enough preaching anymore. How are we going to make it until the Lord comes back? I understand the heart of those concerns. I honestly do. And I think what the Sunday night service is best for, if, if a church has a Sunday night service, it's a great opportunity to let younger ministers chest their wings out. That's how I got my start preaching in apostolic churches. I started out with 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 five to ten minutes on a Sunday evening, usually with two or three other men who were up and coming, because my pastor is, is Bishop J.R. Sternman from Tiverton, Rhode Island. He has turned out a number of of excellent gospel preachers, and I was the benefit of that of that mentorship. And I think that's a great thing. 
And I think what we have lost as a movement, beyond just hearing more preaching, what we've lost is we've lost the opportunity for young ministers to get into the pulpit. And I even say to the young people who are coming up under my ministry, I say, listen, I'm going to pour into you, I'm going to invest into you, but I'm not ready to retire to the bishop's chair yet. I love to preach. And most Sunday mornings, I'm going to preach. And that's just kind of the way it's going to be. I said, but what you can do is you can go out into the, into the city, into the county, whatever it is. You can find someone that I don't know. And you can teach. And I will, t- I will teach you what I know about teaching. I spent several years teaching in the public school system. My master's degree is actually in education. So I do know a thing or two about about effective teaching. And I think that but we need to celebrate and elevate teaching in our movement to the same level as preaching. Because it is vitally, vitally important that we have teaching in this movement. It is what it's teaching is what's going to help us close the back door. Preaching will keep the front door open. But but teaching will, will get the back door shut. Okay, and and that's I'm just very passionate about that because in the entire time I served under my pastor, and I've seen this also in the places and spaces that I've been as as the lead pastor or senior pastor. Anyone who consented to be discipled through one on one teaching, a very low percentage of them backslide. And, and young people, and I've been there myself not too long ago, young people, they want to get into the pulpit and they want to preach. And I get it because there is nothing in the world like being able to speak to a crowd of people a word in due season. I understand that 110%, but the way it is right now, there are not a lot of opportunities and there are never going to be enough opportunities for a young preacher. To, to get into their pastor's pulpit and, and preach as often as they would like to. But as many people live in your city, that's how many Bible studies potentially you can teach. Right. And there is, there is no limit. I'm not known a city in this country, in this world, that has tapped out on the number of Bible studies that potentially could be taught. Um, go out into the highways and the byways, compel them to come in. So one of the things that that drives me and drives the passion of our podcast is we want to elevate the teacher. We we want to give a lifeline to those of us who are never going to be asked to preach general conference. That they have a ministry that is vital, that is necessary, that it that ultimately is going to build up the kingdom of God. A bishop must be able to teach, must be apt to teach. We also are driven by another concept, and I try to drive this home. I I was involved in teaching on a Purpose Institute campus for many years, actually was a campus dean, district administrator, uh, back in Mass, Rhode Island for Purpose Institute for many years. One of the greatest things 
um, outside of being in the pulpit, one of the greatest things in ministry that I've ever done in my life. And one of the things that I try to impart to those students in Purpose Institute is you need to be well-read, well-written, and well-spoken. As well-read as you can be, as well-written as you can be, as well-spoken as you can be for the glory of God to, to fuel First of all, your personal devotion. And secondly, to fuel your ministry. We get criticized a lot of times, Pentecostals do, for, for being ignorant and being repetitive. And I'm happy that uh, under our general superintendent's leadership and several significant others in the United Pentecostal Church, I'm happy to say that that stigma is starting to turn a little bit. Uh, we have been challenged uh, by our general superintendent's example, and we've been challenged by folks like uh, James Littles, folks like David Norris, and, and others of, of that caliber to, to begin to think deeply about the faith and to be able to, to logically and coherently give a reason for the hope that we have. I believe... 110%, it's the reason why we have been able to make the inroads in the denominal world that we have been able to make because we have refocused on, not that they would say it this way, but we have refocused on these ideals of being well-read, well-written, and well-spoken. Obviously, the Bible is always going to be our primary source material. And if we're going to know any book intimately, we've got to know the Bible intimately. Right. The Bible is not the only book that's ever been written. And frankly, it's not the only book that is going, going to equip an apostolic preacher or teacher. And I will tell you that, well, let me say it this way. If we cannot, if our faith is fragile, it's not worth defending, okay? If our faith is, is so, so tenuous that someone can come along and knock it down with a hastily thrown together, uh, philosophically logical argument, then it's not worth anything. We need to be able to bring our game up a little bit in the sense of we need to learn how to speak the language of the world in which we're trying to minister. Not that we're going to become worldly. That's not what I'm advocating. But I think that the Holy Ghost inside of us is strong enough and our will to live for God is strong enough that we can look into some of the things that the world is reading about and some of the things that the world is thinking about in order to, to get some insight into the mindset of the folks that we're trying to minister to. This should not be a radical idea. Paul did this. When Paul preached at the Areopagus, he was quoting their own prophets. He was quoting their own sages. 
I, I joke because it, when I'm preaching, I will quote song lyrics and, and other quotations from, from the great minds in the world, the creative minds and the, and the philosophical minds in this world. It doesn't mean I'm backslid. It means that I have made my level best effort to, to get to know the, the city, the county, the, the peace of the world that God has called me to minister to. And there is no sin in that. There's a well-known minister in our movement. I won't use his name because I don't want to blow up his spot. There's a well-known minister I've heard preach many times in our movement. He used to carry a copy of Rolling Stone magazine in his briefcase. And he, he testified about this openly. And somebody asked him, said, Brother, why do you have a copy of Rolling Stone magazine? And, and this minister said, I am just so in love with young people. I want to reach young people. I want to know what young people are thinking. If you've ever flipped through Rolling Stone magazine, you will know that, that as far as, as spiritual uplifting, there isn't a lot there that's going to that's gonna feed your spirit. Okay, but it will give you a window into figuring out where, in this case, a certain demographic of people, where their mind is at and, and, and what they're thinking about. Okay, now I'm not saying everybody needs to go get a subscription to Rolling Stone magazine, but I use that as an example <laughs> to say that we need to be passionate enough about the world around us to be able to learn a little bit about the world around us and not just kind of wall ourselves in to uh, the ivory towers, you know, fourth, four or 5,000 of them across North America where, where apostolic truth is preached uh, for, for fear of, you know, somehow something grabbing a hold of us and causing us to backslide. Um, I think it's vitally important. We need to be well read. We have also of late had a great uptick in the number of tremendous apostolic literature that's being produced. And the average preacher or teacher, they're going to say, well, I can't write. I don't have time to write. Well, you write sermons, don't you? You write Sunday school lessons, don't you? Start there. You know, I have a blog that I that I keep up on the Coffee with Pastor website, and I I take some uh, submissions from other people, but more or less, it's I'm generating content for the website on a weekly basis. I don't necessarily come up with anything new, Brother Crooker. I'll be honest with you, I don't come up with a completely new topic. I will write about usually something that I am preaching about or teaching about, or I will write about something. I'll take one of my old, old messages and I will rework it in, into more of an article format. Uh, you don't have to consistently reinvent the wheel, but you can take what God has already given you and you can repurpose it and you can re-edit it for a different, a different medium so that you kind of increase the audience that your message reaches. Um, I also talk about being well-spoken. 
we have, as Wayne Huntley likes to say, I've heard him say it more than once, we have the best preachers in the world in the United Pentecostal Church. I, I would agree with that statement. Um, I also, you can learn a lot by listening to apostolic preaching. You can also learn a lot about the mindset of the modern secular world by listening to TED Talks, by listening to um, podcasts that are not necessarily of a spiritual nature. Um, you can learn a lot by taking a public speaking class at your local college or university. There are a lot of ways that we can learn how to convey the message. A lot of a lot of mentorship in the apostolic movement. You have a, a, a young buck that comes under the wing of a seasoned minister. And the sometimes the extent of the mentorship is, well, son, just watch how I do it and go therefore and do likewise. And what it comes down to, like, like, I'll be honest, and I love my pastor to death, I still do. But when I first started preaching, I tried an awful lot to sound like him because I look, I listened to him and I saw how people responded to him and I had not yet found my own voice. Well, if you listen to, if you listen to a number of voices and you learn some technical uh, things about the, the act of public speaking, you will learn how to, um, be able to present the gospel in a number of different ways. If a, a typical apostolic, what I call a screaming and spitting message, it'll get the saints running the aisles. But the question you need to ask yourself is, you have visitors in the third row. Are they affected the same way? Sometimes they are. Sometimes that's exactly what, what the Lord calls for in a situation. I don't discount that. But I'll tell you, I'll give an example from this past Sunday. We had guests. I preached. We had altar call. When the altar call was going on, I saw that our guests had kind of retreated toward the back. I left my wife and the other ministers in the church to, to pray with people in the altar. I went after the guest and I said, hey, how did you enjoy the service? You know, come have a cup of coffee with me. Let's go grab a cup of coffee. We'll sit in my office. I want, I want to know a bit of your story. Tell me your story. An altar call, Brother Crooker, is still going on. My wife, the other, the pastors and ministers in our church, they, they have it taken care of. But I'm sitting down across the table and I'm getting to know a family who I find out has nine kids. Not all of them showed up on that particular Sunday. And they're planning on coming back and getting all their kids to come back too. Because I took the time after the preaching was done, while the altar calls going on, to take some aside and say, tell me your story. And it is the reason why I have been able to to pull people in. Sure, I've had folks come to the altar and repent and cry their guts out and, and start their relationship with God uh, just because of the preached word, absolutely. I've had more people, I've baptized more people after a Bible study 
than I have after a, me- a sermon on Sunday. Because that is how God has worked in my life. I will never headline a general conference. I won't even, I'm not barely asked to preach outside of my own state. You know, no, I am not high on the, uh, in the minds of anyone who's looking for a conference speaker or anything like that. That's not the type of ministry style that I have. But what I have been able to do with the help of the Lord is I have been able to talk to people, listen to their stories, teach people, and usher people into the kingdom of God by doing that. It is That's not typically the type of ministry, ministry we read about in Pentecostal life. But in the grassroots of our movement, where I believe the majority of the kingdom of God is being built, I have found it to be effective. If somebody just wants to learn how to preach conference-style messages, there's a, they don't not going to listen to me. They Go listen to Wayne Huntley. Go listen to um, Scott Sistrunk. Go listen to David Bernard. Go listen to somebody else if that's, if that's what you are looking for to learn. But if you want to learn how to connect with people, teach people, and actually roll up your sleeves and do the hard work of discipling people, that's what I'm about. That's what my ministry is about. If you can preach, everybody will beat down your door if you can preach. As far as the mentorship ministry and the ministry like the apt podcast and other things that I have in the works, those exist primarily for the background uh, ministers, the, the second chair ministers, the ones who are, who are more wired for teaching than for preaching and wonder. And I've had people come up to me and say, I, 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 I can't raise my voice when I preach. Do I have a future in the apostolic ministry. Well, absolutely you do. And what it comes down to, the sum total, Brother Crooker, is this. However God has wired you, you need to function the way that God has wired you. And God will stretch you in the ways that he needs to stretch you. But if you are of a somewhat quieter disposition, you still have a place in the kingdom of God. There is a seat at the table for you in the ministry if God has indeed called you to it. So that's my story and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> well, brother, this has been, this is, I find, and, and this is my, my, my first pastor, um, the, the way he would, when he would train the young ministers, um, my first, my first message was preached at a, at a youth camp. And, uh, aside from that, um, uh, I may have preached one or two times, uh, underneath him before he retired. Um, but he, the way that he trained us was that, you know, ministry and we've, we've sort of idolized it to be fair. Um, 
to oh yes we're gonna someday I want to be a conference speaker someday I want to I want to uh, you know I want to preach to thousands of people I want to go overseas sure. and, and preach in the Philippines to millions of people that are there in in, in one setting and so they, they, we we've idolized this position of ministry behind a pulpit and right. it has its place it does absolutely but what about the ministry that happens as you're talking about the teaching. What about the ministry of, of someone who has the ministry of helps? The Bible talks about a ministry of helps. That's somebody that helps the pastor. That's somebody that does the things in, in, in the local church. That that There are people that have giftings. There are some people that are great at organization and, and, and setting things up and, and planning things. And there's people like me who can't do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, you know, God gives each of us gifts. The Apostle Paul talks about it. You know, he says there are many members in the body. Every member has its own position, its own place. You know, the, the hand, the arm, the foot, the ear, the eye, the mouth, they all have different places in the body. And when we stop, I what we need to do is stop. It does. It has its place. I like good preaching. I think that I'm an okay preacher. But aside from that, we've got to look at behind the scenes. I don't want someone to pay me millions of dollars to come preach at conference. Thousands of dollars. I'm just not interested. I'm really not interested in, in taking any money for preaching um, whenever, I, whenever I go out. Um, I don't want to take away anybody's blessing, so if they do offer it, but I don't, I don't require it. I don't request it. Because Paul talks about it, and he, when he was talking about the ministry and, and about teaching, how he felt like because he was taking money from another church to teach another church, he felt like he was out of line, and, and he apologized for that. Now, we've just, we've just got to get on board with, with the importance, the importance of teaching. Because at the end of the day, my generation in, in, in the state of Maine, my generation of, of apostolic Pentecostals, 80% of them, and this is just kind of a guess, but I would say 80% of them are backslidden. And you know why that is? That's because they were told and they were never taught. They were told and they were never taught. Why, why do we do it? What, what, what is the importance of not listening to this type of music? What is the importance of not going to certain places? What is the importance of, of, of studying the Word of God? Why is it important? Why is it important to know why you do what you do? Well, besides the fact that you're supposed to be able to be instant in season and out of season, you're supposed to be able to answer any man for the reason that is a, for the hope that is in you, you have all these different biblical examples of giving uh, uh, your testimony. And the Bible in Revelation says they overcame him by the word of their testimony and the blood of the Lamb. But the word of your testimony, that's what helps people overcome. And that's, that, that, that's, that's, that's critical. That's imperative that we get back to this place. And, and so I, I'm so thankful that, that you joined me uh, today to talk about you know, the importance of discipling and, and that ministry takes place. And I, it just absolutely phenomenal the way that you just, you talked about it. You went, you went in depth about not only your own experience, but what God's been doing. And we've, we've just, we've just got to see that happen. And again, 
nothing against great preachers. I love great preachers. I have probably, I have thousands of hours of preaching on my laptop. And I like listening to preaching. I like, you know, and I, I like feeling the Holy Ghost while I'm listening. And I like getting messages and, and, and having God speak to me and, and being led and, and all these other things. And so by the fullest of preaching, God chose to save them that believe. So yeah, you, you are saved by preaching, but there's got to be teaching too. And there has to be the right kind of teaching. And, and I think you put it beautifully. You said two things you said. Number one, the, the idol of, of ministry, which a lot of us are kind of taught to aspire to, but very few of us actually get to. And while we kind of see the, the very uh, public nature of a high profile ministry like, like Anthony Mangan or, or folks of that, of, of that caliber, okay, we, most of us don't ever get there. And in a sense, whether intentionally or unintentionally, we, we make each other feel bad because we don't get there, that we're not really doing anything significant. So that, that's something that we need to uh, combat against. But also in in the process of, of mentoring, whether you're, you're bringing a saint along in the faith or whether you're mentoring someone for ministry, I think I... I don't preach against a lot of things. Make no mistake, I'm a holiness preacher, okay? But I, I don't preach against a lot of things. I've heard a lot of against preaching, okay? But it's just that. It's, it's preaching. It's one person who's addressing a large congregation and decrying the evils of some horrible activity, whether it's, well, you fill in the blank. You, you, you know as well as I do the things that we know and that we preach against. And it's not that we shouldn't be against those things. But I've said to my church, I am going to teach you to fall in love with Jesus Christ, to pursue him like you would pursue a lover, that you pursue him like it's the most valuable thing. It's the, the pearl of great price, right? You pursue Christ, and if you pursue Christ, and if you're honest about it, as you pursue Christ, those things are going to fall off of you without you even knowing about it, and you're not going to miss those things, and oh, by the way, you won't be angry at me because I preached against those things. Now, there was a lady that I that I brought along, my wife and I brought along in the faith uh, some time ago. We were church planners, and she just had a wonderful experience with the Lord, just seeking after God, seeking for the Holy Spirit, and just really soaking up what she was being taught like a sponge. She came up to me one day. She said, Pastor, God has has told me something. I think it was God that told it to me, but it sounded weird to me, and I wanted to run it by you. I said, okay, sister, what, what did God tell you? He, she said, well, she said, God told me I needed to sell all my jewelry. And I said, now, I was pastoring at the time, 
brother, I was pastoring first generation apostolics. Okay. You know, I was, there's a long list of things that I had not gotten to yet in my preaching at that time. One of them was our stand on jewelry. And, but I just encouraged her, had been encouraging her, learn how to listen to God, learn how to fall in love with Jesus, learn how to develop that devotion. And God told her to sell her jewelry. And I just, I stepped in, I could be the good guy. I didn't have to put the black hat on. I could put the white hat on. I said, well, sister, if that's what God's telling you to do. It sounds legitimate to me. You should probably go ahead and gather up your jewelry and sell it, <laughs> if that's what God's telling you to do. Yes, sir. And, and, and it's, it's one example of many. A lot of times we feel like, and this is kind of an old school mentality, and it's probably not um, as prevalent as it used to be, but we have this mentality that we've got to get in the pulpit and let the veins bulge out and, and preach things out of people, right? Because at the end of the day, and I say this with all the love in my heart because I am so Holy Ghost proud to be among the ranks of the UPCI ministry, but what it comes down to a lot of times, Brother Kirker, we don't trust the Holy Spirit to do his job, which is to convict people. We feel like we must be at all times the mouthpiece of God, and we must we must convict people by our preaching. And yes, that does have a part to play in it. But ultimately, where does life change come from? Where does where does conviction come from? Conviction is not ours to give as preachers and teachers. Where does it come from? It comes from the Holy Spirit. And, and what it comes down to is we need to present the truth of God's word. I don't bind things to my congregation. When I was coming up in the church, I had pastors tell me, well, you, you can't wear a red shirt. This, this just as an example. Okay. Wasn't an example for me, but I had to wear, well, a, red can't wear a red shirt. <laughs> well, why? Oh, you just can't, don't wear a red shirt. Well, okay. And I mean, I, we respect our pastors, right? We need to respect our pastors. But here's the thing. Because I said so, doesn't carry the water that it used, that it used to carry a generation or two ago. And I would say in a lot of cases, it, it probably shouldn't. I make a point of not laying down the law on very much of anything unless I have scripture to back it up and not the scripture that says obey those who have the rule over you. I mean a scripture that that actually addresses the thing that I'm trying to address. And I think that if if we stay faithful to the word of God, speak where it speaks, be silent where it's silent most of the time, and let the Holy Ghost do what he is well able to do, which is to convict the heart and, and engender life change. I think we'd be a, a lot better off. That's just my personal opinion. 
but but I think that a lot of times we spend a great deal of our ministry trying to preach things out of people. And as you said, the preaching as a medium in itself becomes an idol. It becomes a sacred cow. And it and it goes above and beyond the rightful place that's supposed to have in the overall ministry of a church. If if you have a conviction and you can back it up with scripture, by all means, sit down with someone, lay out the scriptures, explain, well, this is this is what I teach and this is what I require because the Bible says X, Y, and Z about it. Not because I because I said so, and if you don't do it, then you're in rebellion and you're going to hell. I mean that that doesn't you know, we don't condone rebellion, but it's incumbent upon us to, to give reasons, as as you so wonderfully said it, to to teach as opposed to just tell. Teach. If it's if it's legit, it's in the book. If it's in the book, show me where. Help me to you know, help me to increase my understanding. But don't just don't just tell me. Right. And that's and that's a lot of that's a lot of, of this as well. Because you you can get really tired if if the sum total of your ministry is preaching against things, you get tired after a while. I know I do. It's because as soon as you as soon as you start preaching against one thing, there's seven other demons that pop up that are worse. Um you know, we, we've had to adjust as a, as an organization. We've had to adjust how we approach the issue of TV because it ain't just TV anymore. <laughs> it's it's internet. It's cell phones. It's tablets. It's you know when you know the beginning of the end. And I I don't want to smash on toes here, but you know the beginning of the end was when they started selling. VHS tapes at, at General Conference back in the day. That was the beginning of the end of the television argument. You understand? And not that I'm I'm not condoning watching all the filth that 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 comes through the cable or the satellite dish. What I'm saying is that it's not just the box. There is, and that's what happens when you preach against things rather than preaching biblical principles. When you preach against things, things are always going to come that are going to be worse than the thing you started preaching against. Okay. But if you preach principles, the principles never change. I try and focus on principles, Amen. not on things. So sorry, that's a little bit off topic. No, that I, It's right on topic, brother. That's right on topic because it comes down to teaching. And if you teach the word of God, you're going to teach the principles in the word of God. And the principles in the word of God are what keep us away from things that will, uh, that will cause us to ultimately backslide. You know, because really it comes down to falling in love with Jesus. And when you fall in love with yes, Jesus, sir. you fall in love with his word. And that's what we ought to be teaching the next generation of leaders. That's what we need to be teaching. That's, that's what this podcast has been all about for the last two years it's just been about investing in those that that need to, to need new understanding 
uh, need, need help understanding certain principles, certain concepts. Um, and, and that's just what it's been about. And so um, this has been absolutely tremendous, brother. So I just want to thank you so much for joining me. Um, we have just a few minutes. I wonder if there's anything you want to leave uh, the listeners with uh, just, just real briefly, uh, about five minutes. Is there something you want to leave the, uh, they've listened this far. You want to leave them with. Oh, in five minutes or less, that's tough for, for a Pentecostal preacher. Um, I think if you take nothing else out of this hour that we spent together today, be as well-read, well-written, well-spoken as you possibly can be for the kingdom of God. Don't be afraid to read things that are going to challenge you. Let yourself be challenged. Learn in your own mind how to answer the challenges. Because what you read about, what you might read about in a magazine or a newspaper or an online article or what you might hear on a podcast or what you might hear in a news report or whatever it is, there will likely come a time where you will come across someone who is going to say those things or words to that effect to you. And you're going to have a flesh and blood soul in front of you who has learned how to parrot the philosophy of this world because you've taken the time to interact not accept but interact with the philosophy of this world you will be utterly equipped to give an answer for the hope that you have start writing don't be afraid to write you're if you're a preacher or teacher you're doing it anyway just instead of writing bullet points Write sentences and paragraphs. You can write and you can contribute to, to the body of work that the, the other great apostolic writers in our generation are contributing to. It's not too big for you. You can do it. And your writing will be informed by your reading and your speaking will be informed by your reading and your writing. When you learn how to put words together on a page by reading the examples of others who do it well, it will come out in the way that you speak. Your, your messages will be clearer. Your messages will, will begin to draw closer to the heart of where people are at because you haven't spent time like an apostolic monk in the ivory tower, but you've actually gone into the world and you've actually interacted with the world. Take a few pointers from, from the Ted talks as an example, they speak for what 15 or 17 minutes or whatever it is, right? It's, it is timed. It is formatted. It is exact. But the hallmark of the TED Talk is that in that short period of time, they get their point across and they're able to, to persuade someone of their opinion. In our movement, generally speaking, we don't think we've been preached to unless it's gone at least 40 minutes. 
months or longer. Okay. But learn. Don't preach to the attention span of your saints who will sit there and listen to you for hours because they love you. Learn to speak to the attention span of the unsaved, the one who's never learned. They are going to, if you don't hook them within the first 10 minutes, you're going to lose them. Learn how to, to speak in that demographic, in that mode, and you will begin to win converts and you can then make disciples. Be as well-read, well-written, and well-spoken for the glory of God. This podcast is brought to you in part by the Pentecostal Periodical Magazine, a 501c3 ministry with writers who believe and live apostolic doctrine. A few writers include Kelly Nix, Scott Phillips, Samantha Thrash, Neil Purcell, Larry Chocklin, Jeff Arnold, and more. You can subscribe at www.pentecostalperiodical.com. If you would like to join our writing team or would like to make a donation, email us at info at pentecostalperiodical.com. This podcast is made possible because of listeners like you who are willing to bridge the gap. We now have a sponsorship program on our Anchor website in which you can become a monthly sponsor of $1, $5, or $10 a month. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook.